Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Let's get into knowing God, and that's what we've been talking about. We're on part four of the series, and I've been very excited to go through this. And you've probably noticed by now, uh, because there's lots of different facets to knowing God, and obviously we won't cover it all in our, in our series, um, but we've been focusing more on how do we learn to grow in knowing God, and that's where our focus has been so far, and we're going to continue down that road. Um, I, we haven't focused a lot on things like his attributes and who is God, uh, not yet, and I'm not sure if we will in this series, because what I really felt was important is that each of us had the, the abilities and the understanding so that we can grow in knowing him not just knowing more about him. There's lots, uh, throughout the year, we always preach on who God is and what he is like, and I hope you spend lots of time uh, discovering that for yourself in here, uh, who he is and what he is like. But we've been focusing on how do we learn to know him more, right? So we've talked about cultivating a listening heart, and he is the path to eternal life, both for, you know, heaven and for now and the abundant life. And last week, we, we asked the question, does God still speak? And we, we gave a resounding yes. He speaks in the word. History shows us that he's been speaking since before creation. He's like, we we already have the first recorded words of God in the beginning, right? He was speaking and creating things and we are created in his image. So this week uh, we're going to continue on that path and we're just going to take it to the next step. But before we get into the message, I do want to review our verse that I'm sneakily getting you to memorize. Less sneaky now because I told you. So let's read it together. (laughs) And uh, let's do that together. All right. Three, two, one. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. Isn't that a wonderful promise and declaration? This is what eternal life is. And that is the pursuit that we're in. All of us. Uh, Well, hopefully all of us. Maybe some of you are still sitting on the fence. You haven't decided. But then my prayer is that you would make that decision to, to engage in getting to know him eternal life yourself. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, yep. Uh, move forward here and we're going to start. Okay. Let's, uh, last week I kind of touched on this just a little bit because I began to speak of one of the cessationist arguments. And the cessationist essentially is just a belief system that says that once the official canon of Scripture was complete— that the miracles and God speaking and all of those types of things ceased. Uh, now, there's various levels and degrees to which people hold to, to many different doctrines like that. So some will believe in some, you know, that he still can do miracles. It's just less frequent. Some believe it entirely gone. But this message isn't about cessationism itself. But I think it is important for us to understand those kinds of thinking and those kinds of beliefs, uh, what they're based in, and why we believe that God still speaks, and why we believe that his spirit is still here, and why we believe that he is still doing miracles. Because it is important. Because the answer to these questions actually, they have a big influence on how you're going to live your life, and how you're going to pray, uh, how you're going to raise your kids, how you're going to direct yourself and direct your steps. Uh, I was just reviewing my, in, in a memory uh, verse the other day, now I forget the reference, but it was just saying it is not in man, <laughs> uh, right, who, who, who walks to direct his steps. It is not in man who walks to direct his steps. We need something more. We need the Holy Spirit. So anyhow, I just want to cover this off. Last week we covered off one verse that is used, and I'm not going to cover off all of them that they use, but Ephesians 2.20, you know, that he's talking about the foundation upon which the, the church was built on the prophets and the apostles, right? So they say now that the church is built, the apostles and the prophets no longer need to exist, and then they include with the prophetic a lot of the other speaking gifts, 
Uh, so they're not necessary. So I'll cover another uh, verse here today because it's important for what we're going to get to. And that is going to be here, 1 Corinthians 13. And this is one of the passages they use to support the claim. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Well, that sounds clear. Uh, where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Oh, that sounds like they will stop, doesn't it? Well, let's read on. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When perfection comes. Okay, so prophecies, tongues, and knowledge, they're all speaking gifts. That is true, and it is true that they will cease. Our need for them will, will no longer be exist. Like, we won't need prophecy. We won't need tongues. We won't need gifts of knowledge once we are with Jesus, right? They will all cease. But when? When perfection comes. And my question is, has perfection come? Are we living in a perfect world yet? And I would say no. Now they would say perfection refers to the scriptures. And now which one is it? Like is it referring to heaven? Or is it referring to the the official canon of scripture? And I think if we go to verse 12, we'll actually find the context of what perfection refers to. And this is really important for us because, again... What we believe about this is going to greatly, you know, impact and steer the direction of our life. Um, So let's look at verse 12 here. But now we see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Okay, I hope you're saying it at home too. And if you're not, I will find out. No, I'm kidding. Okay, but I just like the engagement. It helps me as the preacher. Um, So then we we shall see face to face. So now we see a poor reflection then we will see face to face. Okay, so when perfection comes, we'll see God face to face. So do we see God face to face right now? No. When will we see him face to face? Heaven, second coming, okay? This is, this is, that's when perfection comes. When he comes back and establishes his eternal kingdom and we get to spend forever and ever and ever and ever uh, with him. I can't wait. That's when the speaking gifts will cease. And that's what it's saying here. And if you look at the rest of this verse, now I know in part, then I shall know fully. So do we know fully now? No, we don't know fully now. There's lots of things we have questions on. I mean, how many times, many times have I asked questions on God, why is this happening? Why is this happening over here? Why do good people suffer? I think that's an age-old question. Why do good people suffer and the wicked seem to prosper and it doesn't always work that way? But God, why do you allow those kinds of things to happen? Why did, why did my mom get sick when she got sick when I was young and that turned me away from him for so many years? Why? I don't fully know yet. I, get, I have an idea, but I don't fully know yet. Right? Then I shall fully know. Is talking about the day when we shall fully know. And that's his second coming. So if speaking gifts like prophecy, tongues, knowledge, remain until Jesus' return, then obviously they're here for a purpose, aren't they? For transmitting further revelations or messages from God. Now, I said this last week and I'm going to repeat it because I don't want us to go into either of the ditches, right? Because there's, there's lots of ditches available as we follow the Lord. That's why Jesus says there's a narrow path, right? And on the narrow path, there are wide ditches. So let's avoid those. Last week I said that these additional revelations don't compromise Scripture, and I want to repeat that. 
They're a different kind of revelation. They're, they're different entirely. So we, the Bible reliably fixes the boundaries of what God will ever say to mankind. It's reliable. It's infallible. And it fixes the boundaries of what God will ever say. Meaning, he will never contradict his word. So I'm not going to listen in prayer. Well, this wouldn't happen to me anyhow. But let's say a young man, because the Bible talks about not being unequally yoked. It talks about not marrying an unbeliever. Okay, so let's say a young man wants to go and marry his girlfriend, but she's an unbeliever and he is a believer. And he's listening. Is God going to contradict his word? You see what I'm getting at? Okay, he won't contradict his word. So what he says in here reliably fixes the boundary lines. If we are hearing things that are outside of here, not in the sense of you can't find a verse about it, but they contradict the boundary lines that were given, then, then those things should be rejected. And by the way, next week we're going to get on to what are good boundaries for hearing God and how can we do it in a way that's, that's safe. I don't, I, I don't know that we can promise safety in anything in this world. Uh, complete safety. But how do we mitigate the risks so that we're not hurting each other is the biggest question. Uh, and we'll talk about that next week. But it's very important that we understand this. It is the Christian belief that nothing further will be, ex- will be said by God to extend or to contradict what he has written already in here. So this is the infallible word of God. Ah. <sighs> Look at this, 2 Timothy. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I love that. What a gift from God in a world that is screaming with voices. And next week again, we'll talk about that because internally even, we have all sorts of voices playing around in our head. Right? The enemy can tempt us and God can speak to us. We have our own desires. We have memories from the past of things people have said to us. We can hear their voices spinning around. And then there's the world itself outside. The external world is calling and vying for our attention on so many different things. And yet God has given us his word. He's given us his word, which is solid and true and reliable and fixed. Isn't that a gift? Isn't that a wonderful gift from a good God to give us the boundary and the foundation to stand upon? It is wonderful. But there are different ways in which God communicates. So it's not the only way that he speaks. It is the foundation. Yes, the Bible. Number one, that's our foundation. Yes, it's reliable and it's true. However, we also have uh, recordings of people who heard an audible voice in here, recorded in this book. And also after that, people that have heard an audible voice Uh, What about those who've received messages from uh, angels? You might say, ooh, that's stepping into into strange territory. Read your Bible. It happens in here. And it never says that it would cease. Uh, What about other phenomena? You might say, well, what's that? Burning bush? Disembodied hand? Can you you imagine being there for the disembodied hand? I imagine, was it dripping with blood? I don't know. I imagine it was. (laughs) But anyways, can you imagine that? Mine, mine, techne, parcel, or whatever, however it said. Like, I, that would be wild. And God was speaking there and transmitting messages. I mean, that would have been wild to be there. I mean, the burning bush would have been pretty wild, too. Uh, what about getting spoken to by a donkey? Right? God can use anybody. He can use anybody to speak. And uh, he can use all sorts of phenomena. Why? Because he's God. He's God. He can do that. And we shouldn't put him in a box. Uh, dreams and visions. He can absolutely speak through dreams and visions. Uh, I know many people who've received dreams and visions that were accurate. Um, and scripture is obviously full of that. And there's also through other people. And you might say, well, what do you mean by other people? Well, think about, have you ever had a worship song that all of a sudden is just speaking to you? I mean, that's my testimony. The, there was a song, Come Just As You Are to Worship. 
It's the second time I heard God's voice. It was during that song. That song was, he began to speak to me. Right? As somebody else was singing this song, God's Spirit was speaking to me through their voice and through his still small voice, which is pretty incredible. Uh, preaching, music, teaching, prophecy, words of knowledge, wisdom, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're getting into to empowered ter- uh, territory. You know what? We're just in Bible territory. This is Bible territory. This is Bible 101. This is what's in here. This is how the early church operated. Uh, and nowhere does it imply that we no longer need to operate the way they did. In fact, I think, if anything, we need to go back more to what they were doing and simplify things uh, more. But anyways, and lastly, there is the still small voice. And I want to make more of a case for that still small voice. Now, I know, bear with me, some of you might be thinking, well, I already believe in the still small voice. I believe in all of this. Great. Wonderful. Good. And then maybe for you, you're going to just take that next step forward, or it's going to help build that foundation so if somebody else is asking about it, you'll have good, uh, solid answers to help them. Uh, But many others in our culture are asking about this. Does God still speak? Is he still speaking? Can he speak outside of the Bible? Does he? Would he? How can you know? You know, it's almost, it reminded me of uh, the Garden of Eden, um, what was, the, what was the tempter, the devil? What was his first line? Did God really what? Say? Did God really speak? Are you certain that's what he meant? See, the enemy knows something. He's always been terrified of God's voice. He's understood the power. He understands Isaiah better than we do. That his word never comes back void. <laughs> always accomplishes that which he purposes. Incredible. Can you imagine if your words did that? I am so grateful mine do not do that. (laughs) Other than the cat stuff I say, I hope all those cat blessings I bless people with will all come true. (laughs) Just kidding. Sorry, I said I was not going to do anything less serious. But, uh, But back to that still small voice. The enemy wants us to think that God no longer speaks. You know, uh, with this with this still small voice, I remember um, uh, one of the mentoring groups I had done with Church Renewal, and I have mentored a lot in the level one area. In the level one, we cover the hearing God and a bunch of other abide principles and, and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, there was a DS in there, and he was a, a really great guy, asked a lot of really difficult questions. And for me, I always love that. I love difficult questions. I don't always have the answer, uh, but I always say questions help you get, they give you a window into somebody's soul, right? Because you ask about the things that are important to you. And so he asked a lot of questions that gave me a window into his soul that helped me see that he really does not believe uh, in God speaking. And so that's a really interesting kind of person to have there uh, when you're going through a lot of hearing God material. And so really a lot of his questions were more like challenges in the beginning. And I still remember sitting there. So I'm sitting, I got the table like this and the screens are in front of me and I have my binder. This, not this binder, but, uh, but uh, my CR manual. And I'm sitting there writing notes and stuff as I'm talking. And he raises his hand and turns his mic on. And he begins to ask, uh, he's, he's going to share something. And I still remember where we were. It was, it was the session after we moved from level 1A to level 1B. And he starts speaking and he's like, you know how I've always seen it? And I literally wrote in my, not in my journal, but on my notes, Lord, help me. Because <laughs> I didn't know where he was going to go, but I'm like, oh, this is going to derail it. And he says, you know, I've always thought... You know, following God is like this. You know, you're on this sailboat and you're sailing across the water and, you know, you're going like this and, 
and you're going through seas and you kind of aim your direction and one day, you know, you see this lighthouse and, 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 and you're slowly passing it and you realize you arrived. And I'm like, oh, that's not, what, that's not what following God is about. It's not aimless like that. It's not like hope for the best. And then he stops and he says, now I realize I was wrong. It's not like that. Jesus is in the boat and he's giving direction. And he's telling us what to do and he's guiding his people. And I sat there like this. <gasps> it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. But it's important that we understand this. It's important that we get it. And if you're questioning it, it's, it's good to ask questions, but we need to come to resolution on it. And one of the things I have found, the more and more I study this kind of thing and I study God speaking, and you look at the massive and wealth of evidence within Scripture and then uh, externally as well, when you look at all the post-biblical saints and that sort of thing, I'll show you a list in just a moment of those that have followed and continued to follow his voice. And, the, and you know, I, I think sometimes those, the skeptics, uh, instead of us having to prove that he does speak, because if you're not going to follow everything that's in here, like I think this is pretty clear, I think it's on the skeptic to demonstrate why he won't speak. So anyhow, and I don't mean that as a challenge, but I mean that as, like seriously, when we're asking these questions, uh, we need to come with our own proofs, right? So uh, listen, I love this verse. There's still a small voice we're going into. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I know that's just one verse, but that's very, it's a very good verse. I love that. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So let's look at some post, um, oops, I thought I had it on there. I don't. Maybe it's forward. Nope. Nope. All right. Well, I thought I had the slide on there, but I'll just list them off then. Augustine, Francis of Assisi, Martin Luther, John Wesley, George Mueller, Andrew Murray, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'll, I'll share a good story about that in one of the weeks coming up. Uh, Spurgeon, Moody, Tozer, Dobson, Elliot, Willard, Jack Deere, Richard Foster, Francis Schaeffer. Rick Warren, and the list goes on and on. There's many others, our heritage here, many people here at Southland that have heard God and had things confirmed, and we can see the results, and God speaks. And, you know, you might wonder, well, what does that still small voice sound like? That's a great question, and I think this is often where the confusion lies, but it's often in the, in the, you know, it sounds like a thought that you may have, or a sense, or an idea, or an impression, or a feeling, or a word, or a picture that you might get, uh, right? Or it might be, you might remember something, or remember a scripture verse. It just kind of comes to mind. That's that still, small voice, the Holy Spirit bringing to remembrance. Absolutely, yes. Uh, A.W. Tozer writes that he believes that every person here hears God, whether they would like to admit it or not. Uh, and he says, you know, even those that say, I don't believe, hear God. And, and he says, now in this, I like how he writes it. He says, you don't have to follow me here. So this is, his, this is his idea and pondering. It's his own ponderings, not thus saith the Lord. Uh, but his own ponderings, he said, he thinks every good thing, like music, good music, right? Art, scientific discovery, skills that you have, smiles you enjoy, that you spread to others, encouragement. All of these are actually reflections of a still small voice that we are hearing internally. It is God creating goodness in us that we, that we express into the world. And I thought that's an interesting way to think of it. And it made me think right away. I was just reading this the other day and it made me think of this first. Nope. There we go. My PowerPoints are all over. I'm sorry. Every good and perfect gift. Let's read that part together. Every good gift and every perfect gift 
is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. Look at that. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Do you think advancement in medical science is a good gift? Coming down from God above. Interesting. And look at this next verse here. Uh, John 3.27. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. Well, wait a second. If these medical advancements are good, and I would agree that they're good, and a person can't receive one thing unless given to him from heaven, so would it be a stretch for me to assume that God maybe gave someone a thought on, those, on how to advance those pieces of medical science? I don't think I'm putting God in a box. I just, it's a wonder to me when I think about it, right? It, it fills me with wonder to think about God's goodness. It makes me ponder, you know, Jesus saying, uh, if you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. And he said, you know, you've got to be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect for he sends his, he, he makes his, the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Ha! Huh. It is like God to do good things and give good gifts to his creations because he is loving and kind and benevolent and his kindness draws us into repentance. And so I think that's pretty, pretty amazing. All right. So something to ponder anyhow. Scripture teaches us about the still small voice. And uh, this is what we're going to get at. Oh, have I been skipping ahead? Well, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. I'm going back here. There we go. Yeah, we're good. All right, so uh, different things that we're going to need the still small voice for, and this is what I want to focus on for this next little piece, because I really kind of want to demystify it. I think sometimes we just think of the still small voice, it's like uh, something that we just kind of sit there and try to work up, and that kind of thing, and you know, maybe there's an element of that, but I, I think it's bigger than that. I think sometimes we don't realize what a critical role that still small voice is actually playing in all of our lives every day, I would imagine. Things like salvation. How about we start there? Salvation, absolutely, yes. John 10, 27, that, that con- the context here, you should read John 10 if you haven't read it already, but it's talking about, you know, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then he talks about how you enter into his fold. He's talking about this fold that he has, and he is the gate, right? And those that enter by him will be saved. They'll come and enjoy fresh pastures and, and life. Okay, so he's talking about salvation. That's the context in which, which this is given. So, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So, we hear his voice. So, salvation, I know them. Remember, knowing God is eternal life. That second part makes sense. And then we follow him. That's what it means to be a Christian, a Christ follower. Well, the first part to it, although, is hearing his voice. Now, you might say, but I've never heard his voice. And I, I am a believer. To which I would respond and say, yes, you have heard his voice. Or you wouldn't have been a believer. Why, why did you want to become one? Was it conviction? Because Scripture says that it's his Holy Spirit that convicts men of sin. What's that thought inside that says, I should turn from this and I should go and follow this? Whose thought is that? You thought that was your thought? That was God leading you in kindness and love gently bringing you to himself so that you could know him, so that you could follow him, and that you could have eternal life. Salvation. If you are a believer, you have heard God's voice. Um, You just responded to it, right? You didn't come up with the idea to get saved. You responded to the beckoning call in your spirit. You responded to it. All right, but there's more. 
What about uh, spiritual gifts? And I think the spiritual gifts are griffs. <laughs> I need some fluid here. Sorry, the sound, right? The slurping. Spiritual gifts. Let's look at spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11. Because I think again here, so you can look at salvation. Okay, that's the still small voice. And it's, it's kind of like my own thought, right? Like I had a thought. I had a conviction. I had an impression. I had a feeling. Okay, what about spiritual gifts? Do we need to hear the still small voice for spiritual gifts? I'm, I don't know if I can say, you know, with 100% certainty for every single one, but I would venture to say again, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, right? So I would say probably the still small voice is involved in the exercise, uh, in, the, in the exercising of any of the gifts, but let's look at some of the specific ones that absolutely would completely depend on the still small voice. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. So to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. So there's, the Spirit is going to do something in us that is visible to others. So to each is given. By the way, to each. Does that mean all of us get a manifestation of the Spirit? He wants to use all of us to bear fruit? I think that's a pretty pretty incredible statement right there. But moving on, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Hmm. To another, the utterance of knowledge. According to the same Spirit, to another, faith. By the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing. By the one Spirit, to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Interesting, right? And then also it says here, uh, to another kinds of tongue, various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one accordingly as he wills. So here what we're told is everyone's going to have a manifestation of the Spirit. We're all going to be given the Spirit and we're all going to be given gifts. Each according to the will of God. But now let, I, I want you to think about this. So when you have a gift of prophecy, right? So revelation that you didn't have, it's, it's coming from an external source. It's a word for somebody else, right? So a word of prophecy that you're going to speak. Well, how do you get that? Like, how would the prophetic work? Because sometimes people, I've even heard this, right? Well, okay, like I can buy the prophetic because it's in here and it talks about prophecy. Absolutely, yes, but I'm not sure about hearing God. How are you going to use prophetic without hearing God? It is utterly dependent on the still small voice. When you get prophetic ministry, and we have uh, our, our prayer ministry, they have a prophetic team that's done prophetic ministry here for many, many years. When you come to an empower, you get prophetic ministry done there. Staff gets it done here. Volunteer uh, teams have gotten it done here for many years. And I always love asking people, like, so did anyone get a word that really seemed to line up with their circumstances? Hands, most of them go up. Did anyone feel encouraged? Hands, most of them go up. You say, how does that work? How did the ministers know? I mean, the ministers, because they're just being influenced on what they're hearing because, you know, you sit down and you tell them, you know, this is what I want to be encouraged on. Then the person listens and they just come up with their own thoughts. No, not how it's done. They go randomly. They sit down to someone and that person asks God for a prophetic word. They get a word. It's just a thought. That's what it is. They just get a thought and by faith, they speak it out. And of course, we can test those things spoken. We'll talk about that coming up. 
So don't, don't worry here. I know there is things, whoa, 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 yeah, but they could just say yes, and we can test what's being said. We'll talk about that next week. My point is, though, it's the case for the still small voice. How would you do it without the still small voice? No one gets an email. It's not like your phone dings and you get an email from God. I would love it if he did that. Oh, wouldn't you? <laughs> if he came up with his own, right? <laughs> anyhow, I gotta stop there. I gotta stop there. But anyhow, like, it's, it's the still small voice. What about a word of knowledge or wisdom? Right? Like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, how am I supposed to get over this? I think of uh, one of the, <laughs> I think of a, an example with one of my kids. And uh, we had gone through this, uh, two of my kids came up, I won't say who because I haven't asked permission and I always do that. Almost always do that. <laughs> and this time I would. Anyways, they come up and they just had a, a fight. This is many years ago. They were much, much younger, uh, not teens yet. Anyhow, they had just had a fight and they come up and they tell me what happened. And I'm just, you know, well, they both give me their side of the story. And it seemed like they were in agreement even though they were fighting. And I thought, oh, they're in agreement that at least how it happened. You did something bad, you responded to that bad, and it was both bad. Okay, that's good, so this is easy. And then I, I didn't sigh, but one was clearly an aggressor and one was a victim. And so, you know, you're, not, you're siding with both, but you kind of feel bad for the victim a little bit, and the, the aggressor was super mad at me. And I'm like, well, why, why are you so mad? And I tried to get to the bottom of why you're so mad. You agree with what happened? You agree with the account of the story? Yep, yep, I agree with all that. And you agree it was wrong? Yep. And I'm like, why are you mad? <laughs> why are you mad at me? That I'm, right? Like, I, I don't understand here. And so before I did anything that I would regret, uh, or say anything is what I meant there, not did anything, but that sounds bad. But before I said something, right? Because you don't want to say something and, and, you know, just, you know, hurt your kids. I just sent her to a room or sent that person to the room. <laughs> now I gave away gender. Thankfully, I have three girls. <laughs> Anyhow, they went to the room and, uh, and then I went into prayer. Because I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't actually know how to deal with this particular situation. I know I should empathize and feel with her. I just, I know that. But I, I don't understand how do I get on the same page if she agrees that it was wrong and agrees with the punishment that I gave, like agrees with the discipline, but then is just rip-roaring mad at me. I'm not understanding what the, what the issue is here. And so I said, Lord, I need you to, to give me something, like help me understand or help me connect with her. I had a thought. And the thought was, stop trying to connect on the facts. Start trying to connect on the feelings. Oh, I said, oh, that's an interesting thought. So I just went down that road and I thought, okay, the feelings. Okay, so the both girls come up and they're talking to me and the feelings. So they were both sharing with their dad and one was clearly in the wrong. One was more in the right than the other. And so then I agreed with the one that was, that was hurt, right? That, that this is how it went. And then I realized that as soon as I thought about it from a feeling standpoint... We all came up like this. As soon as we saw what happened, I kind of sided emotionally with the victim. And the other one was left outside. I'm like, oh, you felt like I connected over here and I didn't connect with you. Suddenly I could, I could connect with that. Why? I know what it's like to feel alone. To feel misunderstood, to feel not good enough. And that was the way I went in. So when I went and talked to her in her room, I said, can I just talk not about what happened, but on the emotional side, she, she agreed. And we went and had a conversation and I connected. When I, when I agreed with what happened and gave you the discipline, did you feel like it was us versus you? Then the tears started. And I said, oh, sweetie, it's not us versus you. I'm always on your side. And we hugged and made up. But my point isn't the story. And that one worked out good and I won't tell you about the ones that didn't. But anyhow... The point is, how did I get that wisdom to know what to do? How did I know, how did I get that thought? 
I prayed and I asked God. I was at my end. I didn't know how to relate. So I asked him and he gave me a strategy. I, I just had a thought. Why don't you try this? And it worked. So anyhow, I have, uh, there's many other examples I'll use, but I'll use one. What about discernment? You've heard of the gift of discernment, discerning different spirits, and there might even be discerning different voices and that sort of thing. So, okay, how does that work? You ever wondered? I mean, we can believe in deliverance ministry and spiritual warfare, but how would you ever operate in a gift of discernment if you can't get that still, small voice? Because how does it come when you're discerning? What is it? It's not, a, again, it's not an email. It's not a message on the wall. It's a thought. It's a feeling inside, and you just feel like, oh, I've, this is what I sense over here. What is that? Is that your own sense? You're just figuring it out? Or is it God showing you? There was a, a long time ago when Tim Ryan was still here. I missed him. But uh, he was great, wasn't he? Anyhow, but T- me and Tim Ryan got to do some ministry together, and I remember once he pulled me in for a deliverance session that he was in the middle of, and he pulled me in for support, and I came in, fresh set of eyes on there, and, and uh, we were praying with this woman together, and she was uh, an older woman, at least older than, than me. I won't go into too many details here, but um, I sat down, and she gave me her story, and she had been demonized for many years, where she would all of a sudden get, like, it's like she would almost like start barking or she would attack. She could even get violent. And she's a sweet little old lady. It seemed really odd, right? So it was very polar. And she had gone to different ministries, even around Canada and that sort of thing, to get deliverance. So she had gone to different people trying to get deliverance and nothing seemed to stick. So what did we do? We tried doing deliverance just like it's written in here. We tried the same thing. And I tried, me and Tim together, we tried casting out a demon, right? And, uh, and we tried casting it out. And guess what happened? Nothing. It didn't work, just like everyone else had tried. Didn't seem to work. You might say, so what did you do? We asked the Lord for help. We asked him for help. Lord, help us discern what is going on. We need direction. We need wisdom from you to know what to do. And uh, right away, so we started listening, and the, the woman that we were with, she actually got a thought. And her thought was she had a memory. Remember John 14, 26? He'll bring to remembrance. Yeah, the Holy Spirit can do that. And this time he wasn't bringing... To, to remembrance truth from the word, but he was bringing to remembrance uh, an unhealed or, you know, a, a, an event from her past that was contributing to the, to the oppression she was feeling. Anyhow, when she got married, got married in the Ukraine, we'll go into the, all the details, but there was someone who actually had cursed the, the wedding, had cursed the marriage. Not a very good thing to do, very bad, and she remembered that. So what did we do? Like we do at Set Free, oh, there's a curse, we broke the curse. Remember, we have weapons that are told about in here that have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we broke the stronghold. Then we tried doing deliverance. Still didn't work. Huh. Okay, well, what do you do again? I don't know what to do. Right? It's not in me. I'm not the one setting anyone free. I'm just as dependent on the, on the still small voice as anybody else. So we asked again, Lord, what is it this time? And what she got is it was linked to uh, an item that she had that was signifying the, the marriage. Anyhow, I won't go into details because I don't want to give too many of the, the details away, other than to say we left it at that because this item wasn't even on the same continent. So we didn't know what to do. And we're like, well, I guess I'll just pray over you. We weren't sure where to leave it at that. Well, what she did over the next three months, she went and got this item and got rid of it just because that's what she felt the Lord was asking her to do. You know what happened? She came back three months later, looked 10 years younger and was no longer demonized. She had been that way for decades. This is where you say, wow. Right? 
You're like, that stuff still happens? Yeah, why wouldn't it? Scripture talks about it in here. Of course it still happens. And how do you work in that? It wasn't anything special I did or Tim did. It was God's still small voice. He led that whole thing. We didn't know. How would I have known? I couldn't know. He knows. And I have learned that I can trust him. Now, it doesn't mean I trust every thought I get. I'll talk about that next week. (laughs) There's lots of thoughts that I get that I shouldn't trust, and that's why we have confirmation. And there's wisdom in how we confirm things that are going to affect others. Right? But anyhow, spiritual gifts. How would you do these spiritual gifts without the still small voice? I have no idea. I have no idea. But what about this next one? I don't want to lose time here. Wisdom. What is wisdom? Uh, Guidance and direction. If you want to know what God wants you to do, right? If you need wisdom, ask God. Look at this here. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Sometimes you get this idea. Okay, well, you know, well, I, I don't know if God will want to give direction or guidance for my life. This is what I was talking about in that church renewal meeting that I was mentioning and I gave that story, right? Where he, he just thought you kind of hope for the best. You kind of set your course towards wherever Jesus is that way and we hope for the best and hopefully one day we find out we arrived and it's not that it's better than that you get to enjoy a friendship with him all the way there on the journey and he doesn't just stay over there waiting for you to go through the fire to get to him he's in the fire with you in the storm with you and he's speaking to you and guiding you in this context here if you look at the passage he first talks about count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kind talks about the testing we'll go through in this life and how it's trouble but we can have joy in the trouble how would you have joy in the trouble how do you know how to get through the trouble that's the context here of verse 5 if you need wisdom on getting through the trouble and navigating those difficulties, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Now, the next few verses actually give you a couple of guidelines, and we'll get to that next week. But there are a couple of guidelines, but it's important. We can ask God. And it says he gives generously. I love that. He doesn't just say, I'll answer you. Gives generously to all without reproach. You know, when I switched my, my job, because I used to do Four Winds ministry here, Uh, years ago and then we kind of switched it into uh, it was I don't even know what we called it but I ran the discipleship team anyhow we were trying to get tear down silos doesn't matter what we were doing okay so that's not important for now the context of the story is important when I was going to make a shift that shift affected my family so one thing I have learned is the more a decision affects people around me so it affected my family and it affected the church uh, here right where I was working well the more people that are affected the more confirmation that you need. So I was going to James 1, 5 here, lacking wisdom. I didn't want to make the wrong choice. I wanted to make the right choice. And I needed God to confirm it in multiple ways. So I was seeking wisdom in multiple ways. I was talking to, I I talked to multiple people that I see as wise, that have demonstrated an ability to make good decisions, uh, that understood a bit about what I was doing and my own limitations, talked to them. What did they see in my life? Did they think it was a good idea? Did they think I was way out to lunch? Because that matters. Remember, God can speak through other people. True? Wise counsel. Absolutely, yes. So I did that. Then I I listened, I, I, I asked the Lord to give me wisdom personally, and I sensed in my spirit that he was speaking to me and I felt like he was saying that that it was the right move to make the shift 
But I'm like, ah, I don't want to just trust myself and some wise counselors. I, I actually need more confirmation. I told the Lord. I told him, I, you have to show it to me in the Word. This is one of the ones that I do regularly if it's a big decision. I'm like, you've got to give me something in here. You have to show me something in here. And he wasn't. So I, the other one is, if it affects my family, my wife always has to be on board. That's one of my confirmations. If she's not on board, I'm not on board. Because I always think, God, if you're big enough to speak to me, you're big enough to speak to her. Right? And that gives me a bit of safety because I've learned, and I'll talk more again next week, but I've learned if it's guidance and direction, especially something that affects me that I want, I don't trust myself. The more I want it, the less I trust my ability to hear. Uh, that's, <laughs> right? So that's just my own thing. Anyways, so I still remember, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go and run this decision past my wife. And I've learned that if I'm going to trust God in this, I'm just going to lay it, lay it down at her feet and say, this is the decision what we're trying to make. And I'm not going to try to sell her on it, right? Because I don't want to influence her with personality. Does that make sense? I want the Lord to do it. If it's his will, he has to do it. So I go home and I share with her, you know, honey, this is what we're doing. This is what, if, you know, this is the opportunity here. And uh, this is what it w- could look like. And what do you think? And she started asking questions. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Hi, honey, at home. I love you. But uh, I've ever experienced this, maybe those who are married, uh, where your spouse or someone, maybe it's a friend, and they're asking you questions, but you catch on really quick that these don't feel like questions. These feel like no's, right? That are, that are framed in a question. <laughs> I feel like you're more telling me what you already think. And remember, questions aren't a bad thing, and it, and it is a good thing. I like this story. I love my wife. But anyhow, I could tell she wasn't really pumped about the idea. Uh, it didn't sound like a good idea to her, and I actually left I left, I don't want to say anything, I didn't want to convince her or tell her that she's wrong. I left, though, frustrated. Not at her, not at all. I was actually frustrated with the Lord. I'm like, ah, phooey. This isn't like, Lord, if you're not going to move her, and I remember getting in my car, I live three minutes away from here, and driving back on Bush Farm back to the church, because I left church to go home and talk to her, drive three minutes to back here. Uh, Anyhow, and I'm driving, and I'm like, well, Lord, I guess the answer is no. If she's not in, I'm not in. Anyhow, I get, I get back to church here, get in my office, I barely sat down, my phone rings, pick it up, it's my wife, and she says, I'm in. I said, what do you mean you're in? What, you were not in, why, like what changed? And she said, I'm, I'm 100% in, I really feel like God, God really uh, spoke to me in Austin. I'm like, so what happened? And so what she had done is, um, uh, she went, as soon as I left, she, she, could, she had enough, she had a thought. I wonder if this was a still small voice. She had a thought, why don't you pray about this and take some time right now to pray and why don't you bring in your son and do some blind listening prayer, right? So just ask together. Don't give him the details of what's going on, the decision that's being made and just pray together and see what God shows. And that's what she did. She went and asked, Austin, do you want to pray? It's, uh, it's pray about dad. Yeah, sure. What's it about? Don't want to say, let's just listen and see what the Lord wants to say. Sound good? So they did, they listened together, and this is, and I might get it wrong, they might be correcting me at home right now as we speak, that's okay, but I'm getting the content right. The main stuff is right. So essentially, they they listen, and they both get a picture. So my wife gets a picture, and she's like, I just see Tobermory, and there's cliffs, and I'm standing on top of one of the cliffs, and I see Dad down there in a rock by the water. By the way, the water there is so beautiful. Oh, longing in my heart. Anyways. Dad's down there by the beautiful, clear water with Jesus. But she's like, I don't know what it means. So she's like, well, Oz, what did you get? And he's, he just says, whack-a-mole. She's like, whack-a-mole? What do you mean, whack-a-mole? And he's like, you know, whack-a-mole. Like, at the circus, you know they have those whack-a-mole? When it pops up and you whack it? Oh, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, whack-a-mole. Yeah. She's like, well, what do you think that means? 
And he said, well, that's easy. If the opportunity arises, take it. He doesn't even know we're listening about an opportunity. We're just blind listening. So then Louise, my wife, looks at him and says, well, do you know what my picture means? Oh, mom, that's even easier. Well, what does it mean? Well, dad and Jesus are on the rock over there and you're on the cliff. Go down and join them. Is that not amazing? So she said, now, now she was in. But I still had one more confirmation. He had to speak it to me in here. And uh, because, remember, this is a big decision. I needed wise counselors. I needed him to speak to my wife. I needed him to speak to me in prayer. And I needed him to speak in here. And he did. And I won't give the whole story there for sake of time. Because I've got to get going here. But he did. Gave me a passage from Ezekiel that happened to be right after my first calling passage that he had given. It was absolutely miraculous how he did it. Amazing. God speaks. Right? Isn't that incredible? It is incredible. But it's normal life. It can be normal life for believers. God wants to. If you, if you lack wisdom, let, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. And I know some of you might be sitting there and I've tried and it doesn't work. We're going to get onto that. We're going to help. I've helped, I've helped many people understand how they can hear God and grow in this. Uh, but you need to know he speaks. All right. How about this one here? Uh, teaching us truth. Yep. I'm hopefully teaching you truth up here, right? I'm teaching you from the Word, and we're exploring it together. But you know who is the true teacher of truth? Because I will make mistakes. So will you. We all will. The Holy Spirit. Look at this. John 14, we covered this last week. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. Now you're saying, oh, so then we don't need teachers? No, some of what He'll teach you is through a teacher. Right? Some of it's going to be through the teacher, some of it's going to be through the word, and some of it's going to be a still small voice. And how do we know the still small voice part? Well, look at the next part in that line, and bring to your remembrance. When you remember, what are you remembering? A thought? You're having a memory pop into your mind? You're remembering a verse? Right? I've had that happen multiple times that I've quoted verses this morning that were not in my notes. Why? Because it came up in my mind that as I was speaking something, a memory verse comes up. Who's doing that? Scripture says the Holy Spirit's job is to do that. That's, how, that's what he does. Now, remember John 14, 26. It doesn't say, you know, when I leave you, I'll give you the Scriptures alone, and that's all you'll ever need, so just do your best in life and hope that you hit the mark. Does your version say that? Mine doesn't. Mine says, I will send you the Holy Spirit. He'll send him in, in Jesus' name, and he will teach us all things and bring to our remembrance, our thoughts, our minds. He'll bring to our minds the remembrance of all that Jesus has said. And I think that's an incredible promise. It's an absolutely incredible promise. Okay, but a couple more here because I want to do our practice. And that one I kind of touched last week. Same with this one. Discerning God's will. Uh, quickly here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Again, we're talking about the mind. So something is important that's happening up here. That what's happening up here is important that by testing you may discern what the will of God is what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the renewal of the mind and testing, we can test. So there's a renewal of the mind that's happening that God wants to do, and I won't spend lots of time on this this week, but there's a renewal of the mind that God wants to do for you and for me, and apparently we can test it to see what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. Discern. How would we discern? By things that we're learning, by scripture, by teaching, by thoughts, discerning the fruit, Again, we're going to need the Holy Spirit. We're going to need our minds, that still small voice. 
we're going to need it. Now, we are also going to need how to learn to distinguish between the different voices that we may hear in our head. Absolutely yes, we're going to cover that next week. And then the last one here that I want to talk about is this one here, standing against temptation. This one I was really excited about. (laughs) I was kind of excited about the whole message, to be honest. Uh, I've been excited all week. I don't know what it is. Because this has changed my life. I do know what it is. This has changed my life. My whole story is wrapped up in hearing God's voice. From like, I was a little kid and doubting my salvation as a little kid. And you know what my dad said, Pastor Ray? You know, what he, you know what he did? He didn't go and try to, when I thought I was feeling condemnation, and I'm feeling like I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to die in my sleep, I'm going to go to hell, I'm not really saved. He didn't go and water down the gospel to make it say something that would make a little kid feel good. You know what he did? He said, I can't give you assurance of salvation, but I know who can. So he prayed for me, and then he sent me with my Bible off into a room. We were in Tobermory when it happened for me. He sent me with my Bible. You pray and ask God to speak to you, and then you go into the Word, and you wait there until God speaks. And you know what he did? The Lord? He spoke to me as a little kid and gave me assurance in 1 John that I was saved, and he called me his child. And I knew it to be true. Still small voice. Then I walked away from the Lord for many years. How did I come back? Still small voice. Stefan, I know who you are and I love you anyways. I'll never forget it. Anyhow, I'm passionate about this. Standing against temptation. Let's look at the scripture. No temptation has overtaken you that it's not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Uh, but with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape. How will he provide a way of escape? Well, maybe he gives you an accountability partner. Sure, he might. Maybe it's a worship song. Maybe it's praying in tongues. I don't know. Maybe it's putting a lock on your phone. Maybe it's, there could be a whole host of things. How do you come up with these ideas? Ask God. He will provide the way of escape. Is it you just coming up with it? You've got to stand against temptation on your own? You've got to get freedom on your own? Balderdash, you can't do that on your own. You need wisdom from heaven. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. So we ask God, and he gives it to us. What's interesting is, and I don't have time to spend a ton of time on this, but um, next one here. There we go. Let no, one is say, let no one say when he is tempted. This is James. I am being tempted by God, right? Okay, that's a good thing to, to hear. God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts no one. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Desire, when it, gives, uh, when, it, when it conceives, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Now, this is the important part here. James's defense, right? So people were saying, temptation, God is tempting me. So they're tying together, and it's, it's really, when you look at the whole context of James, first he's saying God will test us and put us through trials. Now he's saying, but don't think he's tempting you to sin. <laughs> trials and sin, tempting you to sin, are two very different things. God doesn't tempt you to do sin. But note here, so we're, temptation, when you're tempted, what does that temptation sound like? Is it like a desire or a thought that you have inside? It's like an internal voice. Am I correct? Is that how it is for you? Maybe yours is external voice. Mine's always an internal voice. It's my own voice. Maybe it's the enemy's voice. And what James is saying is it's not God's voice. But you notice something for the defense of the, of, he, you know, for the defense of the still small voice. If God didn't speak in the still small voice in thoughts, his defense would have looked very different here, wouldn't it? All he would have had to say is no temptation is from God. God doesn't speak in your thoughts. He doesn't say that. He says, God doesn't speak. He doesn't tempt you to do evil. Temptation comes from this spot. But he doesn't argue the fact 
that God will speak in our thoughts and he will give us wisdom and direction and he will lead us places. He doesn't argue that. So anyhow, my point to summarize on these six things, and this is not an exhaustive list, but even just these six, how could you operate in any of these without a still small voice? All of these require a thought, a word, a feeling, a picture, a direction from somewhere. And my argument, and I feel like Scripture stands firm on this, is that comes from God. All right, let's practice. <sighs> this is what we're going to do to practice. So pull out your journals with me. And uh, you, don't, you can write down all of those or just take a picture. But I want you just to quickly read through them. Why did you choose to follow Jesus? Ever had a worship song ministered to you? Your favorite Bible verse and why? A friend or stranger say something that ministered to you. We're just, we're working on recognizing that still small voice, okay? You ever had a message or book you were reading ministered to you? Maybe you can think of another time. Pick one of those right now. Whatever one of those that you feel like, oh, I have an answer. And just start writing down. Lord, we just want to grow in hearing your voice. And we recognize not every voice is your voice. We know we have our own desires. James talks about that. Temptation can come from our own evil desires. In other places, your word says that we can be tempted by the enemy. And yet, your word also says that you speak to us in the still, small voice. And Lord, we're just sheep. And we need you to open our eyes and ears to learn how to hear you better and clearer and to learn to be wise, even wisdom. We can't have wisdom apart from your spirit. So we need wisdom so that we steward this gift, this precious gift wisely. So now open our minds. Open our minds. Give us, help us remember the places where you have spoken to us where we maybe didn't realize it was you.
I'll give you a little assignment once you're done. You don't have to do this one now, but maybe do it right after the, the service closes. Share your story. Share your story. You know what? One thing that I've learned is when we share the story of our journey, our journey with God, our history with Him, the same way that we'll find much of that in here. Actually, it's what Deuteronomy teaches us to do. But when we share our God history and how He has spoken to us, it encourages others. So be an encouragement to those in your family and share how God has been speaking to you and how you have been surprised where God has spoken and maybe share it with a friend. But we're going to worship and then we'll close the service. Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204-326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com.